This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Great, great to have one. What a great audience today. You know, and, and just, uh, yeah, we're a growing congregation. You know, we did, we did our attendance for the first six months of the year compared to last year. We grew 11% the first six months, which is really fun. That's good stuff. Dave would start clapping now if he was out there in the audience. So I asked Dave to come up here to help me just get us warmed up. So we're talking about three simple steps. Today we're looking at this topic, saying no to anger. And it's part of a three-part series here. Last week we did, we talked about the simple step saying yes to less. And I wanted you all to see Dave's shirt here. Is that good or what? So give him a round of applause. Yeah, you're good. Because, I, I, you know, we talked about, like, how do we make fewer commitments, but really make the commitments that we have really matter? You know, so, so that's, the big, that's the big yes part. And then the no part today is learning to say no. Let's all say the A word together. Saying no to anger. anger. It's, it, it's interesting as a pastor. You know, you go through and you, you plan out sermons, etc. And a lot of the time, you know, I, I try to think, well, what's the needs of the congregation? Anger's one where I need to be sitting where you are. Because I wrestle with anger all the time. Is there anybody in here who I can talk to after church who doesn't wrestle with anger? If you could raise your hand. <laughs> you know, maybe there's some, I, I, is there somebody over there? I can't see. You know, it, it's really hard. It's really challenging for me. I, I feel like I'm an inflated balloon and anytime somebody gets near me with a pen, bang! You know, I, I, can, I can go off pretty quickly. I'm not a fun guy to be around a lot of the time because I, I run that way. And I don't want to run that way. I, I get tired of it. I, I think for a lot of us, to use Ann Voskamp's words, this is how we live. We rush, we worry, we enslave ourselves. And I think anger is part of that thing that actually can start to enslave us. Now, to sort of get you into that space, what I want you to think about is I want you to think for a minute here. When was the last time you really lost it? Like, not in an appropriate way. <laughs> you know, like uh, you were saving a child from running into the street. But, but when you really lost it, lost it in such a way that you look back at it and you're like, I am so glad there weren't any video cameras. All right? And I want you to answer this question. When you look back at a moment when you really lost it, really lost your temper, what is your appropriate emotion now? Like sitting here today. What's sort of like, oh man, when I think of that, I feel blah, blah, blah. All right? So, so I think we'll all come up with some very similar words here. I would, I hope we come up with some very similar words. Uh, if you, if your answer is I'm still right, you got the wrong answer. Um, so, so what do you, what do you feel now? Like take 60 seconds, either chat with that with someone or you can text in an answer to me, especially our online audience. You know, feel free to text in an answer. How would you answer this question? Take 60 seconds, go. Well, you folks have some great answers. Let some last ones come in. You know, and I love the, the just the, the wisdom that you folks have is incredible. Because, you know, sometimes, like, I, I don't want to leave you today feeling like anger's never wrong. You know, there, there are times in, in new church we call it zeal. There are times where actually sort of a, an anger can be appropriate. You know, I think of, of a time where my daughter was literally, she was running out onto Huntington Pike. She was about three years old. She was five or six steps behind me, about to cross the pike. And I said, I said, come on, Brooke, come on, Brooke. She ran right out into traffic. You have never heard a father yell louder than I did at that moment. I mean, it was, it was anger, but it wasn't, if you know what I mean. Uh, 
So, so yeah, there are times for that. And then there's, then there's the, just the, the silly kind of pointless anger, right? You remember one where, where it was actually was a big turning point for me where I realized like something has to change. I was, uh, you know, I'd gone to a couple years of college, had quit, was an electrician, was sitting in my grandpa's house, uh, and I couldn't find my car keys. What better thing to get really angry at, right? Um, so I decided the best way to find them was to put my fist through his glass table. Makes sense, right? You know, shattered the thing. And, uh, you know, it's just, I remember sitting there thinking, I, this isn't working. This just isn't working anymore. And I'm sure lots of you in here have those same kind of stories. You punched the wall, you kicked something, or you broke your hand, or whatever, at a time that you got angry. And now we look back at it, it's just like, ah, oh, that just doesn't work. So let's, let's take a look at, at some of the answers you folks have here. Um, important reminder, welcome all experiences, and that's where we're going to go. Because even that experience of it is important. It can be a place of growth. Feeling of pain and hurt, like my hand. Uh, ashamed, regret from, out from, uh, from Freeport, Pennsylvania, to stay calm and centered. Uh, that's what I think I'm trying to learn. I feel shame for instilling fear in my child. Uh, this person says, Chuck, are you really get angry? Yes, that's true. And Kent, you can imagine the circumstances where that happens. Uh, shame and sadness. I'm embarrassed now because I'm never angry about things that matter. It was a long time ago. I try to remain, though, in a stable place. Uh, gratitude when I, can, when I can move forward because I feel more grounded and less paranoid. Um, now I've learned to increase my sensitivity to others. Sad with myself. Got to do better. Embarrassed that winning an argument was more important than showing love. That's a really good one. That's from down in Virginia. Motivated to be better. Uh, when I think about the last time I was angry, uh, I was realized I was trying to control, embarrassed, regret, apologetic. Um, and the answers go on and on. You folks, these are so many good answers. Um, oh, and Dave Lindrew says, hi from San Diego. Hi, Dave. Um, you know, and you, you, can, you can see that, folks, right? Like, there's just all these emotions around it that are, you know, and, and, and where we want to go is that we can learn from that. We can learn from those times where we really have completely lost it. Now, this is key. This is a really key part of, of understanding New Church's belief and our, our sort of perspective on, on sin and when we make mistakes like this. And this is really, really key. And I've said this before. You know, a lot of first-time people also want to say it again. We are punished by sin, not for sin. Can we say that together? By sin, not for sin. That's a, that's a little different. Like some people hold God sort of as a school teacher up there who's looking, he's got a ruler. And he's going to whack you on the knuckles every time you mess up. And so God's constantly testing you to see if, if you're going to mess up or not. I, that's, that's not a new church perspective of God. Instead, God is always loving. God is unconditional love. Can't even frown at you. But what God knows is that if we keep on acting in these ways, we actually get punished, that it actually will bounce back and hurt us. Bounce back in a way very similar to this kicker from Buffalo who missed an extra point last Sunday. Yeah, whoo! You know, and, and I, I like, that could be me. I would do that. See, there in nine seconds is, is, is the, uh, the theology of sin in this church. You know, that, that, that's what we do is we, we get angry and it bounces back. I'm not going to make any mention of the Steeler game last night. Uh, you know, for those of you who watch that, you know, you see that, you see that same thing. Because I think, I think what happens is, is when, we, when we start to, 
try to pull apart anger, we start to get, yeah, you know, I, I do feel angry, and I need to start to get, what, what is my anger? Like, where am I storing it? I love this little graph, because, yeah, I think, I think that's it. Like, down there somewhere, I got this big ball of anger, and sometimes people, like, there's just a few key words that I've heard people, that people have used, and it's like, bang. Instead of, instead of uh, ready, aim, fire, it's fire, ready, aim. You know, they, they like tap into that bad boy, boom, there you go. Just a few little key words can do that to me. And I imagine the same for many of you here. It's like we all have this voice of a lion inside, right? This mean, ferocious lion. Now, for the kids in the audience, like before we had sort of mixers like what Marcus were on, people actually used to have to do sound effects to make sounds. You know, people's voices actually had to make lion sounds, etc. And, and this is a great clip from when they did the Lion King before all the digital stuff. But I think it speaks to that, like that anger. You can you just watch this guy sort of channeling the anger as it comes out in a roar. Take a look at this. Good. Can you imagine him telling stories to his kids at night? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be fun? You know, and, and I think we all can get that, right? Like, just, I got that anger. I could do that. I could do that. And so we need to start to pull it apart. We got this stored anger. It can come out with just a few words. How do we start to, to shift it in certain ways? that can actually start to really make a difference. Well, the first part, I think, is, is getting really, really clear on what the impact of anger is. What does anger do? I'm going to have you say the words in yellow there. First off, it feeds, feeds arrogance. So we become very arrogant, like, I'm here, you're here. I'm here, you're here. I know, and you don't. Next, it feeds ignorance. Like, we don't we're ignorant. We're, we're not really in a listening place. I don't want to talk about that one and come back to it in a minute. It goes long on condemnation, short on compassion. Now, I want to talk about, you know, what the real impact I think can be with this and why I think it's, it's so incredibly damaging. So I want you to get out two little fingers, all right? Name one arrogance and name one ignorance. Doesn't matter which one. And do this. You look very silly right now. That's what we do. We take arrogance, we take ignorance, and we're going, you're my friends. You're my friends. Because we make friends with this kind of anger. And, and we plug our ears. It's real simple, yes, no answer. When you are angry, are you the least bit interested in listening to the other person? No. No. Do you realize when, when Christ has in the New Testament, when he, and this is, I talk about such beautiful word study. In the, in the New Testament where he talks about obedience, you know, the word actually is obedire, means to lean in and listen. Christ is always saying, look, I just need you to just lean in and listen, please, just lean in and listen. Can you lean in and listen like this? No, you can't do it. It can be a serious problem and something that can, that can really sort of set us up for some challenges. Because we can't listen. We're just in a demanding place, not in a listening place, in a demanding place. And how does the new church say it? It says this, 
Anger, I'll have you say the S word there. Anger shatters our bond with God. Just like that table. I shatter that bond. Now, God is all forgiving and all loving. It's not like all of a sudden it's like Elvis and he left the theater. It's like, no, God's God's always going to be there. But we have severed that bond. We're not in a loving place when we do that. Now, as the band comes out, as the band comes out, start to think about, yeah, you know what, I I, I get that. I I get that feeling of disconnected. I, I get that I'm not a listener. Maybe even get that maybe anger, even despite all that, can feel good sometimes. It's not really good, but it can feel that way, at least temporarily. And then let's start to think when we get back. Okay, so so if you have all these challenges around anger, how is it that we can actually start to live in new, different, more loving, more creative, more connected, more inspiring ways where anger is pushed aside? So let's talk some about, like, how does, how does God actually start to work with us on, on this issue? Because, because it's important to know there's a difference. Like, saying what we need to say, you know, having the courage of our convictions to say what we need to say is one thing. Anger is something different. Anger is something different. There are times where we need to say what we need to say. And anger is a different beast that I'm talking about here. So I want to go back to what we've been looking at with these three simple steps. Go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Say, okay, what does what Christ have to say about that here? Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Bible, Sermon on the Mount, it was this sermon that Christ did. He, it says he went up on a mountain. That's why it's called Sermon on the Mount. And uh, he preached, and it got transcribed. Parts of it got transcribed, and it, it made it into the Bible. And it's where Christ really talks about what the message is. And and the Sermon on the Mount really is the distillation of what it means to be a Christian. And and that doesn't mean you need to be a Christian. There's ideas here, I think, that are really cut across all faiths and in all kinds of different groups. But it gives you a sense sort of on what's, it would give you a sense in terms of what's on the menu, so to speak. Now, last week, we talked, we started out talking about the Beatitudes, where Christ was talking about the need for humility, what, what is it to be blessed, and essentially comes down, it's, it's a real blessing to be humble. And then he said, see who was paying attention last week, he said, you really need to become the what of the earth, it begins with S, you really need to become the salt, the salt of the earth, it, you know, you need to kind of pull it in. Pull it in, love, wisdom, useful service. You need to come to sort of the sweet spot where all those meet. Commit to less. And in committing to less, actually, you commit more deeply. But it's about pulling into where's the salt in your life. And then he goes right into looking at anger. Isn't that interesting? First thing, got to be humble. Then he says, like, pull it in. Become the salt of the earth. And then he says, look, be really, really careful about anger. So let's take a look at what it says here in Matthew about it. We're going to put the words up here on the screen. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago. And this is, Christ does this particular teaching technique all the time. He constantly says like, you heard this and I offer this. It's not a, they were wrong. It's just, that's great. And now I have other things that I think you might want to consider. Might be how we phrase it today. You've heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Real straightforward. Like, if you hurt somebody, you physically hurt somebody, yes, there is going to be a civil judgment on you. There has to be for society to function. And then he expands it. But I tell you that anyone who is 
angry, wow, who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Wow. So here he's, here he's, he's putting together murder with anger. And you think about it like folks, and I'm not going to have you raise hands. How many of, of you, and I don't mean this literally, but even our figure of speech, right? You know, where you, you're just, you're talking to a friend, your, your teenage son or daughter has just driven you nuts. And you're like, I could just kill her. You know? Like, I know you don't literally mean it. I get it. But have you said it? Do you see the connection he's trying to get us to make between anger and murder? He's trying to say, you got to be careful of that anger. You got to be careful of that anger. Then the passage goes on. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, this is a fun word to say, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, which means empty-headed, you you know, you empty-headed. You're empty-headed. You got nothing going on between the ears is answerable to the court. So if you say to somebody, look, you're you're an imbecile. You got nothing going for you. You got nothing in your head. He's saying, you know what? Actually, you're going to end up before the court. Now, he's not talking a literal court here. He's talking about a very different kind of court. Keep in mind, folks, again, the guy with the football helmet. We'll come back to that. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, it's, it's interesting, right? How many of us were thinking about Mr. T when you saw that fool one? You know, remember a lot of you are going like, what is he talking about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Those of you who were born, you know, way too early or way too recently. uh, Listen to the audience. You'll see all the old people. Mr. T used to always say, could we say it with some attitude? I pity the fool. That's what he used to say back in the day. I pity the fool. And here Christ is saying, look, if you say I pity the fool, you're going to be in danger of the fire of hell. Very interesting flip. Now, notice where it starts. It starts out with him saying murder. And then he says, no, now i got to shift it into intention. you got to know that if you're coming from an intention that's centered around anger, you're going to go off the rails. And even if it doesn't realize itself, which it rarely does, in physical murder, it sure as heck can, can realize itself in spiritual forms of murder. Gossip, slander. You know, I, I know a lot of us, a lot of us, I'm sure, have a memory of a parent, and, and I'm not talking about like times where we were angry as a parent, but a time where a parent was really angry with us, and we still kind of carry that scar, right? It's still kind of like, ah, that hurts. I, I think probably most families have that in there somewhere, where somebody lost it and a scar ensued. It's, it's interesting, folks, when, when you look at this and, and, how he, then he pulls it into these things. So it, it starts out first like, like murder. Okay, that's straightforward. And he says, like, look at the intention of anger and, and be willing to like, look at that. And then he says, well, what does that look like when we're, what, what does anger really look like for most people? And, and again, for most people, it, anger doesn't look like they're going to go out and murder someone. For some people it does. For, you know, depraved people it does. But for most of us, the anger meter tilts towards raka and fool. Yeah, we're not going to go out and kill anybody, but are we going to call somebody empty-headed and a fool sometime over the next 24 hours because we're angry at them? Could you please all say yes? Yeah, you know, you will. You'll think it at least, you know, or you'll watch the news. I mean, it was like I was watching a statistic yesterday. 39% of all Americans are angry after they watch the news. Of course, you know, but and that's where we go. We go like in rock and fool. Like, I'm not going to murder, but I'm going to tilt this way a lot. 
See, when we do that, folks, when we start to tilt that direction, and this is to kind of pull it apart, we start to then get into this dangerous equation. And I want to step over here, and I want to look at what this equation can actually be, and then we talk about moving forward out of it. And they're going to blow this up on the screen for you folks so you can see it. So we have, we have a number of challenges here, folks. We have arrogance, ignorance, and then we add into that dismissiveness and definitiveness. So we looked at these two, right? Let's go back. Let's review here. Ready? Arrogance, finger, ignorance, finger. Boop. And because you need a second opinion to justify your anger, ready? This is dismissiveness and definitiveness. Boom. Now we really got it plugged up. The dismissiveness part is where, is where we, we don't even listen. Like, remember the first part I said, you know, we end up where we can't hear. Now we're, we're totally dismissive of the other person. We're angry, so we just simply can't hear at all what they're saying. Can't hear a lick. Can I tell you a love story? All right, here's a, here's a little love story. It just popped into my mind. I, you know, my, uh, when, when I was dating my wife, we were broken up for a period of time. And, uh, you know, we were trying to do that just be friends thing like that has ever worked. Um, just be friends. And I decided I was angry. I was having enough. I was going to go down. I was going to tell her off. Sitting down at the table, I'm there. Look, Keen, you know what? I cannot just be your friend. This is over. I don't want to hear from you anymore. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Don't send me KOBs anymore. Those of you who are local know what that means. Uh, you know, don't, nothing. I don't, nothing to do with you. And it went on this long tirade, you know, probably about a 15, 20 second tirade that I'd sort of saved up that stored anger thing. The guy, the, the guy growling into the trash can, that was me. I didn't hear her say halfway through it, I decided that I love you. Didn't hear it. She needed to say it like two or three times. Because <laughs> I was running so fast downhill, I couldn't stop. See, and I think that's what we do. When we get angry, we're just totally dismissive. And then, and, and, and Rebecca shared these words with me when we were talking, you know, we get very, very sort of definitive of the other person. Like, we define them exactly who they are. And we put them in a category, and that's why they're wrong, and that's why we're justified in being angry. We totally categorize them. So we add in this, this equation, folks. Let's, let's say these words together here. Ready? Arrogance, ignorance, dismissiveness, definitiveness. We get this equation going, and then we're really, really in trouble. When you approach other people and you're thinking from an arrogant, ignorant, dismissive, definitive place, this is the sort of the, the, the twist where Christ is going. Who's actually being the empty-headed fool? Guess what? Who's being the empty-headed fool? You are. You are. You're doing all those things that you accused someone else of. And, and listen, there's, it's, again, like Bible is so stinking beautiful, the poetry. And, 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 and Christ is this beautiful way of kind of spinning around to get us to see that. And he spins it around by using the next slide, this word. And it's the word that's used for hell in the New Testament. It's the word Gehenna. Gehenna, which means the fire of hell. Now, it's, 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 it's just, it's such good, it's such good imagery. 
Of course, we miss it because we just define it as the word hell. But Gehenna was actually a physical place that everybody hearing this would have known of. They actually would have known of it. And this is what Gehenna looked like. So Gehenna, right outside the walls of Jerusalem, they had a big sort of a, a valley that had become a trash pit. And there had been human sacrifice back there way back in the day during a real dark time of Old Testament history. And, and, but now they just used it as a dump. So people would go there and they'd dump stuff and it would always have this smoldering fire. Is that cool or what? Think about the language there, folks. When we're, we're really, really going after somebody, think of the T word here. We often talk T trash. Can we say trash together? Trash. We talk trash. Did they know what they were talking about? <laughs> yeah. Smoldering, you know, da 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 da. And here's here's the beautiful, here's the beautiful part of it, folks. Christ is saying, like, look, here are these people we're angry at. And please listen, please listen, please listen. Whatever you need to do to clear your mind, please listen to this carefully. Here are these people. We have our anger meter. We're not going to murder, but we're going to call them fools, empty-headed fools. We're going to do it in a real angry way. Christ says you're going to be in danger of the judgment. The judgment is not that we have sent those people to the trash pit. Listen carefully. It's that we have sent ourselves to the trash pit. The helmet bounces back and hurts. Do you get it? Isn't that beautiful scripture? I mean, chills even saying, like, that is beautiful scripture. A very different way. And you think about the way that we treat hell, like so many people treat hell, and it's just like, oh, Lord, that just, it's so painful. You know, it's like we can stand in judgment about who's going to hell. You know, like we know, and da-da-da-da-da. I think, I think God's saying, look, as soon as you get into that conversation, be aware you're ending up in a trash pit yourself. A smoldering trash pit. And he wants something so, so much more for us. So how is it that we, we can move that? Well, I, I think, folks, like there's an awareness. And I was thinking this morning, like, is there anything bright and brilliant I can tell you about moving past anger? The best thing I can tell you is this. Don't. <laughs> like, don't. Knock it off. Stop it. Count to five or 20 or whatever it takes you. But just do everything you can to not be angry. And, and a, for a lot of people, the challenge is we don't really believe that that's possible because we've, we've gone through the equation so much. We've lived this equation. If you're like me for, for, you know, I'm 50 years old. I started this equation probably when I was about eight. You know, I, you know, we, we've lived this equation for decades. So it's so hard to break out of it. And, and that equation has created sort of a system where we end up the winners and other people end up the losers and other people actually deserve our anger. We just we need to get to the bottom and, and, and just question the whole thing. And, and it just starts with a simple don't. It starts with a simple don't. And, and we can do that. You know, here's a beautiful picture that made its way around the Internet. Now, some of you know what this picture is of. So the man on the left is a stepdad. The man on the right is a biological dad. And so the biological dad on the right... I, you know, was walking his daughter down the aisle at her wedding day. Now, I listened to interviews with, with these two men, a couple of news interviews with them. And is, are blended families easy? 
Yes or no? No, they're not. They're not. You know, I come from a blended family. They're not. It's, it's got issues to it. It's got challenges. It's got beauty as well, you know, and it's got challenges. So you can imagine with these two guys, like, and they talked about it. Do you think they always got along? <laughs> no, they, they didn't always get along. They talked about, like, for reason where, like, hated each other's guts at certain times. Really, really wrestled with some difficult things. And you can imagine the stepdad sitting in the back, seeing this daughter who he has helped raise from a young child, knowing that in the discussions with family, they felt like it'd be best for her biological dad to, you know, to walk her up the aisle. But the biological dad had done this. Biological dad had checked it out, and he had a surprise. Surprise was this. As they're coming up the aisle, he stops the ceremony, walks back, picks up the stepdad's hands, and said, you're walking her up the aisle with me. That should give you chills. That is not Gehenna. That's not arrogant, that's not ignorant, that's not dismissive, that's not definitive. That is healing. That is love. Now anybody who says love is easy and sort of sentimental and sappy, that is tough love. Imagine all that guy had, imagine all that guy had to turn over, had to give up, the, 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 the biological dad. Imagine all he needed to give up to do that. Imagine all the dad, the stepdad had to give up to allow him to do it. Do you see his face? And here's the miracle, folks. Like, this is the miracle to it. All, you know, you can imagine his daughter, I saw an interview with his daughter, meant the world to her. What about grandkids? What's the legacy of that event? Do you think they healed generations of people in one moment? I think they did. That's where we can go, folks. That's where we can start to to move in our lives. Understanding that, yes, there is anger, but there's also this huge potential of love, of connection, that we get to choose. If I was to summarize it, it might be something like this. The dark moment where you totally lost it was a moment in Gehenna. You know, and, and right, like you remember that. I, I remember that. Like when I'm putting my fist through the table, I, that's hell. That is literally living in hell for that moment. A burning dump where we're all too willing to dump and trash others. That moment, and this is the miracle, that moment in the long run may become, and some of you were really hinting at this strongly in your text messages, may become a fertile place where something new grows. So work it backwards. Trash no one. Do not be definitive or dismissive of others. No fool. No raka, and then no anger. Now this next line here, you know, I'm a little, was a little tentative putting it in, but I think it's important. We should, I think, feel the guilt and embarrassment around that moment where you lost it. I think that's important. You should feel guilt for about 90 seconds. The rest is all story. <laughs> but you should feel it. it. It should be a little bit like, <gasps> like I'm a little embarrassed about that. And I think God would go, that's okay. That discomfort actually is healthy. 
you know, folks, just, just imagine somebody who you really got angry with and you're, you're going back and you're trying to work it and, and, and you're like, oh, I just need to tell you, I feel no guilt about what a jerk I was anymore. How would that go over? You know, not that well. So I think feeling guilt and embarrassment actually can be a real gift. That moment where you lost it. Then let's read the last one together really loud. Then reach out and grow. Reach out and grow. I am, I'm not going to say that the past wasn't what it was. I'm not going to say I, I did it perfectly. I'm not going to say it in a moments where I lost it. For those, I am deeply embarrassed. Deeply embarrassed. Deeply sad. But can I get that? And then can I reach out and grow? Now, those reaching out, folks, again, that dad, like, look at the image. That dad reaching back to somebody who he just had all these, I mean, you know, you have that person, right? Each of you does. That person that you need to reach back and grab their hand and bring them forward. Bring them forward into a new place, no longer Gehenna, but a place we call heaven. A place we call heaven place we call heaven. That's what church is. Look at this great definition of church. The church exists in people who love God, love their neighbor as themselves, have a conscience and oppose hatred. That's where churches grow and thrive. That's what we can become. That's a lot to hold on to, you know, Really try to live this week as best you can. If you can just hold that picture, do that as best you can. Just simply avoiding anger is a huge win. Do that the very best you can. And then please join us next week. I don't want to overstate it, but I do. So next week we're looking at Martin Luther King, the beloved community. You know, this beautiful biblical bed of, of like, what does the beloved community look like? I, I just want to keep coming back to that we get to choose that. Can you hear that? Like, we get to choose that. These beautiful steps that are, that are just such key parts of the New Testament and the Sermon on the Mount can all come together and be culminated and drawn together in these beautiful, beautiful gatherings called the beloved community. Church is part of that. Service is part of that. Celebration part of that. All of that. So really think about coming next week. Coming next week to support the kids. Inviting people in the community who've made a difference so we can continue to take this stuff and live it. To take this stuff and live it. Like, we have so many choices of the worlds we want to live in. Probably some of you, you know, like that, 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 just that tragedy with that Philadelphia police officer. Like, that's, that's one picture in my mind, and the other is of these two dads. I, I think we have a responsibility, a commitment to live this as best we can. Knowing that this is real and painful. And trying as best we can to pull the ship in any way we can to this. Join us in that. So thank you. We're now going to close the service with a prayer. You'll have the opportunity to say your own prayer, the Lord's Prayer, have a moment of quiet reflection. 
And then Marcus is going to lead us in a wonderful song. If you want to join in that last song, you're welcome to stand up. If you just want to be seated and listen, that's fine as well. So please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, help us to, to, to really think of ways that we can, we can somehow, Lord, get a handle on our anger. For some of us, anger very buried very deep. For other of us, anger that's just beneath the surface. Allow us, Lord, to understand the cost of that anger. To really look at it. To feel the challenges of it. Remorse, accountability, Lord. A call to where we need to make amends. And then, Lord, let us as well to see that as actually a fertile place. Like a forest fire, Lord. Something where growth will happen because that is your will. A place where we can find love again. A place where we can gently ease ourselves into the river. The river of your divine providence. Is calling all of us, every single one of us, home. Bless your name, Lord. Bless this congregation. Help us, Lord, to be life givers this week. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.